Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves over at tomahawktake.com. Please go over to the website there, check out my written work. Would appreciate it. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And just want to remind you, we post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. Make sure you go check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us there as well. Like I said, we got a big week coming up for you. You're going to be doing a, a crossover podcast with some of the other hosts from the NL East team. It's going to be Thanksgiving theme, but also talking a little baseball as well. So be ready for that later in the week. But the Hall of Fame ballot has come out. So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. And then we'll continue our positional reviews looking at the shortstop position. So that should be a good one with the Braves going into this season. Dansby Swanson only having one year left of team control through 2022. So be interesting there talking about the present and the future of the shortstop position for the Atlanta Braves. But let's start out with the Hall of Fame ballot. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a big fan of the MLB Hall of Fame. I was growing up. I loved the Baseball Hall of Fame because it was so... Uh, you know, it was so hard to get into. Now it feels like people are trying to to open it up to the Hall of Very Good as well. And I'm very much a small Hall proponent. I like the idea of it's very rare class to get into, a very rare group of players. And not just that, but this whole steroid situation has really messed things up as well. And you know, you don't know for sure who used, who didn't. I mean, it, it's part of the game. And but you also don't want to reward somebody who cheated and potentially, you know, cost somebody else like, you know, Fred McGriff's the perfect example. And I don't know, I feel pretty confident that Fred McGriff was a clean player. And, you know, I feel like he had a a Hall of Fame career. I don't know necessarily that I would have voted for him, but I, I think his numbers are overlooked because of the period that he played in against a lot of players that were juicing and their numbers were ridiculous. And so it makes, you know, Fred McGriff not look as worthy in comparison to the error that he played in because, you know, maybe he would have won more awards, you know, had it been an even playing field. So the whole steroid era thing just messes everything up. It makes this Hall of Fame vote so difficult. So, you know, I'm really off the, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, wagon right now. I'm not a huge supporter of the Hall of Fame just because things are so messed up and there's been no clear direction given to the voters. So I don't really blame them either. There's just, it's not a good situation. I think until we get past, you know, this whole steroid era of voting, um, then I think it's just going to be a, a complete mess every year on the ballot. And hopefully we're getting closer to that. But wanted to go through um, some of the names that are on the ballot right now and just read those out for you real quick. You have Bobby Abreu, Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Barry Bonds, Jeff Kent, Alex Rodriguez joining the list, 
Uh, Mark Burley, Tim Linscombe, Scott Rowland, Roger Clemens, Justin Morneau, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Joe Nathan, Kurt Schilling, Prince Fielder, David Ortiz, Gary Sheffield, Todd Helton, Jonathan Papelbon, Sammy Sosa, Ryan Howard, Jake Peavy, Mark Teixeira, Tim Hudson, Andy Pettit, Omar Vizquel, Tori Hunter, A.J. Brzezinski, and Billy Wagner. Those are the list of players on the 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. So like I said, I am... You know, I am very much for a very small hall, um, so I would not have a full ballot. And that's something else that bothers me too. Writers are given a, a list of 10 names that they can put on the ballot, and they feel like they have to to fill out every spot on that list. You don't. I mean, just vote for the players you feel are Hall of Fame worthy. And then I feel like they try to give nods to players that they just want to give votes to keep on the ballot. You know, to me, you're you're a Hall of Fame player or you're not. You know, I, I don't really, I don't really understand. You know, trying to keep people on the ballot or just giving them, you know, a nod, giving them a vote, you know, to to make them feel good. I, I don't know what necessarily the point of that is. You know, for me, either you believe the player is a Hall of Fame player or you don't. Now, I get it. There's going to be players on the fringe that you kind of have to go back and forth with. Um, you know, I get that. And even I'm going to give you my ballot here in a second. And you know, there's still some players on there that, you know, even I can't really decide on because it is so close and you know maybe this is a lazy way of doing it but for me and it's getting to the point now you know I grew up watching the game you know in the 90s and obviously till now so you know I have a pretty good memory recollection of the best players you know in that late 90s 2000s era that's now become now coming on the ballot and for me it's like I said you're either hall of famer or you're not and when I look back at that era of baseball, you know, does that player, when I look back and just think of that player, does that player feel like a Hall of Fame player to me? You know, when I think back on that era of baseball, do they feel like it was a Hall of Fame player? You know, and again, maybe that's kind of a lazy way to look at it, but I think if you start just like digging into the numbers, then that's where it gets very convoluted. And I think when it's, you know, it's a close call, then yeah, maybe you have to go to the numbers and look at it. But for me, it's more so... When I think of that player and I think about the era they played in, the time that they played in, were they a Hall of Fame player? Were they considered one of the best players in all of the game? And that's the way that I look at it when I when I try to to vote or I don't vote, but when I think about, you know, how I would vote. You know, do I feel like that player was a Hall of Fame player? Like, you know, there's the obvious ones like Chipper Jones. He was an obvious Hall of Fame player. You think on his career, what he did during his time in the big leagues, he was a Hall of Fame player. I don't think there's many people that would argue that. I don't see a lot of those players on this list. Um, now, I'm going to give you my, my ballot or what my ballot would be. Um, I would have Andrew Jones in, and I'll get into more of that in a minute. I'd have Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Kurt Schilling, and Billy Wagner. Those would be the four names that I would have on my ballot. Um, David Ortiz is probably maybe the one player that's going to get in on this ballot. I think Kurt Chillin might get in as well. I wouldn't vote for, for David Ortiz just because again, it, I don't, I don't know. And it's hard to know for sure, but I mean, he was, you know, rumored um, to use steroids and just happened to coincide with the same time that his career kind of took off. And, and he was a DH and I have a problem, you know, putting him, player if you're going to get put in as a DH you have to be the best ever at that position and David Ortiz arguably was the best ever at that position 
Um, but you throw in the steroid stuff, and it just makes me a little uneasy voting for him. But, you know, without that, yes, he, he's the best ever at the DH. I, I don't love voting in DH. I feel like it's a huge advantage for a player to just sit around and think about how you're going to handle your four at-bats a game uh, and not have to think about the other aspect of the game. I think that's a very huge advantage to that type of player. But it is a position. It is part of the game. And we should vote in the best to ever do that part of the game. So, you know, I'm not totally against putting in DHs. I just feel like you have to be the best ever. David Ortiz was, but then the steroid thing kind of messes that up for me. Um, Billy Wagner, again, relief pitchers, I kind of feel the same boat. You know, it's a lot easier when you only have to focus on one inning as opposed to a starting pitcher, you know, having to pitch, you know, seven innings or back in that day, you know, eight or nine innings. But Billy Wagner is one of the best to ever do it at that position. I think he's sixth all time in saves and did it in a lot fewer innings than some of those ahead of him. So um, I would put Billy Wagner in. I think he he deserves it. I think he's one of the best closers of all time, one of the more dominant closers uh, of all time as well. So I'd have him in. You know, Kurt Schilling, for obvious reasons, you know, I forget the off-the-field stuff that I think has kept him from already getting in. One of the best pitchers, you know, of his generation. When I think of that generation, I think of Kurt Schilling. You know, I think about the bloody sock. I think about his time with the Diamondbacks. Uh, just, you know, how great of a pitcher he was, how dominating he was for so many years. Scott Rowland's the same way. Um, you know, when I think of Scott Rowland, you know, I, I think of just how great of a defender he was first, but also, you know, just so good defensively. One of the best players at that position for, you know, a decade. So, you know, that to me, you know, signifies a Hall of Fame type player. If you're the best player at a position for a decade, uh, to me, that's a Hall of Fame, you know, worthy uh, player right there. And then Andrew Jones. And, you know, this is the one that's, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased growing up as a Braves fan, growing up watching the Braves in, in the 90s and 2000s. Andrew Jones is an easy Hall of Famer for me. Um, and I love Ozzie Smith. He is my favorite player of all time growing up. He's the reason I wanted to play baseball, the reason I wanted to play the shortstop position because of what he did defensively. Andrew Jones is the exact same thing. We put Ozzie Smith in because of what he does, he did defensively. You know, maybe the greatest offensive or defensive player of all time at his position for sure, which is a premium position. So is center field. And Andrew Jones, to me, is the best defensive center fielder of all time and was for a 10 year span. He is a Hall of Famer. Uh, put him in. Show the highlight reels of what he did defensively. Not only that, just an amazing power hitter as well. And he's really hurt by his last you know, five years or whatever in the big leagues, which were not good. And the way he kind of fell out uh, in the big leagues, I get it. But what he did defensively is one of the greatest things of all time. I mean, he, again, one of the greatest defensive center fielders of all time. That has to be recognized in the Hall of Fame. If you're going to recognize Ozzie Smith for what he did, and I think you should, because it's a you know, once-in-a-generation type talent, at a premium defensive position, you got to do the same for Andrew Jones. And not to mention Andrew Jones, an MVP level player for years, you know, with the bat, a power hitter, you know, I just think you combine all of that and Andrew Jones did it for a decade and he didn't do much, you know, after that decade. And I get it. But like I just said with Scott Rowland, you're the best at your position for a decade in the big leagues. To me, that's Hall of Fame worthy. And that's what Andrew Jones was and I would definitely put him in to me it's a no-brainer hopefully 
the voters get at this time around. Um, and then there's there's the steroid guys. There's Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. This is their last year on the ballot. I don't think we're going to see much change there. I don't think they get in. A-Rod joins them. I don't think he's going to get much support either. You know, those are three guys that just based on the stats are no-brainers, but because of steroids, they're probably going to be left out. But that's your ballot, your 2022 Hall of Fame ballot. Let me know on Twitter uh, who you would vote in if you're in favor of a small hall or you want things expanded. Um, but let me know what your ballot would be. Hit me up on Twitter at shortstopball at locked on at locked on underscore Braves. Be glad to have that discussion with you there as well. Uh, next, we'll come back and do our positional review, looking at the shortstop position. Before we do that, let me tell you about our friends at Direct TV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required and content varies by package. All right, so I've been doing these positional reviews so far. I've gone over the catcher position after the Braves signed Manny Pena. I talked about the outfield. Uh, and I talked about second base. We're skipping over first base for now. Fingers crossed. We're going to get some good news on that here soon. I predicted it would happen um, either today, Monday, or Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Really hoping that happens with Freddie Freeman. If not, it's got to happen before December 1st, before this lockout begins. And if it doesn't happen before then, it's going to be a very, very long and difficult offseason. Um, but I really hope the Braves and Freddie Freeman get it done uh, before the December 1st lockout date. I'm really hoping they get it done in the next couple of days here. And we'll have a big celebration podcast for when that does happen. But we are talking about the shortstop position. And we're going to talk about what the Braves have now and what they have in the future. So starting with what the Braves have now, it's Dansby Swanson. Um, you know, there's a big free agent market for shortstops this offseason. I don't see the Braves spending money there at all. I mean, again, we got to get Freddie Freeman signed first. I, but I just don't think there's money in the budget to sign, you know, a big free agent shortstop. Doesn't really seem to be the MO of, of Alex Antopoulos. So I don't see them playing in that arena. I know there's a lot of fans out there that want to trade Dansby Swanson and sign, you know, Trevor, Trevor Story or whoever and bring him to Atlanta. I just don't see that happening. Dansby Swanson's your shortstop for 2022. I just, I, I don't see any other way around that. And I don't see that as a bad thing. I like Dansby Swanson. So um, he is your shortstop for 2022, unless something just crazy happens, but I don't anticipate that happening. And Dansby Swanson will turn 28 in February. That's really crazy to think about. Uh, he's just now turning 28. In six years with the Braves, he slashed 249, 319, 409, 727, was 77 home runs in 665 games. Again, that's in six years. The last three seasons with the Braves, he slashed 254, 323, 442, with a 764 OPS and 54 home runs in 347 games. So you've seen those numbers really pick up over the last three years, especially 
The home run numbers, the power totals have really gone up the last three years. Dansby has really turned himself into a very solid major league contributor offensively, albeit not the all-star level uh, type of player that a lot of fans want him to be, envision him being when the Braves traded for him, being a first overall pick. But again, I talk about it a lot with Dansby. If you kind of you know temper those expectations a little bit and recognize what Dansby is, you know he's a very solid big league player. I mean, you got a guy that hit 27 home runs hitting down in your lineup. You know, hitting 250 with a 330 on base. I mean, you will take that a seven. 775 OPS guy, you will certainly take that at the shortstop position, especially with what he brings you defensively. And while the metrics may not love Dansby, anybody that watches him knows that he makes the plays that help you win ball games. I mean, you see it time and time again. He's just really solid defensively, really instinctive defender. Um, so, you know, what he brings you as a leader defensively at a primary position like shortstop, and then you take into account the improved offensive numbers over the past three years, and you have a very good shortstop. Again, not all-star level. You don't have to have that. The Braves just won a World Series with him as your shortstop, you know, being what Dansby, what I believe Dansby Swanson is. And like I said, he's still just 28. I still think he has his best year ahead of him. Uh, a couple of things that have improved over the last three years I want to point out is his hard hit percentage has gone up as well as his line drive percentage. And to me, Dansby Swanson feels like the most unluckiest hitter in the world. And maybe I just notice it because it's Dansby Swanson and I, I cheer for him and I want him to do so well. But it seems like he lines out more than anybody else. It seems like he has hits taken away from him all the time. But he has seen his hard hit percentage and line drive percentage go up these past three years. That's why you're seeing the improved numbers. You're seeing the improved power numbers. So there's been a, a definite uh, improvement there in recent years. And I think that could just continue to get better again as he goes into his age 28 season. But he is your shortstop for now, for 2022. Uh, if something were to happen there, Orlando Arcee would probably be the backup. But we'll get into more of the future at the shortstop position next. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is a new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED on or locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. Uh, there are new surprises all month at built.com limited time flavors arriving daily. So make sure you check the site often and there's nothing like a built bar black Friday. So mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Again, go to built.com use our promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order. All right. So getting into the future of the shortstop position, Dansby Swanson's in his last year, last year of arbitration, projected to make $10.1 million before becoming a free agent. So, Braves have a big decision to make here. Um, I've already done a, a podcast talking about a possible Dansby Swanson extension. I would do that um, if Dansby is up for it. I think you could get a bit of a hometown discount, maybe lock him up for $12, 13000000 a year for the next four or five seasons. 
I would be all up for that. Again, with what he brings to the team as a leader at a primary position, what he brings you defensively, and I think his offense is just going to continue to get better as we've seen improvements over the last three years. Still, just 28. I feel like I have to keep saying that. He's just 28. He's just entering his prime. I feel like his offense is just going to get even better, improve even he'll improve even more as a hitter. And we already know what he brings you with his leadership skills, what he brings you defensively. I would look to extend Dansby Swanson if you can get a really good deal there. Again, 12, around 12, 13 million a year. I think you could get that done. The other reason I say that um, is because what's behind Dansby Swanson. Like I said, Orlando Arcia, he's just 27, was the Brewers shortstop from 2017 to 2020. You know, if something happened to Dansby in 2022, or for some reason he took a step back offensively, it'd probably be Arcia that comes in to replace him. Arcia is a, a below, below average hitter, you know, a solid defender. He's under team control for two more years. I don't really love that. I mean, I, I don't think he's obviously don't think he's better than Danny Swan and Braves don't either, or they would have put him there. But that would be a step back for me. But that would be the immediate replacement for him. Behind those two is Braden Shoemake. He has the side, the six foot four, to play shortstop and the arm to do it. I question his ability as a full time big leaguer. Um, yeah, I, I cover college baseball as well at collegebaseballdaily.com, and I, I cover the Southeast, so I watch a lot of SEC baseball where Braden Shoemake played at Texas A&M. I've always loved the bat. I think he'll be you know, a solid hitter. I think a lot of people saw maybe a Ben Zobris-type player out of him when he was drafted. I, don't, I definitely don't think he reaches you know, that level, but I did always view him as a utility type, not necessarily as an everyday-type player. Maybe he has a stretch in the big leagues of an everyday player, but I don't think you know he's a long-term answer there at shortstop. Uh, he's really struggled at the double-A level, slash 227, 273, 378, with a 652 OPS in 97 games. So he's really struggled making that jump. And as a college hitter who was a very, very good college hitter, that worries me a lot that he's you know, unable to make that adjustment at the double-A level, which is, you know, double-A South is a very, very difficult league to hit in. But still, for somebody who should have been, you know, a more advanced college hitter like that, for him to struggle that much is highly concerning to me. So I don't see him as a long-term solution at the shortstop position. Could be, you know, a, perhaps a short-term solution. But even then, I, I don't see that being a possibility until 2024. He'd have to make major improvements uh, at the plate in 2022 uh, for him to be ready for uh, 2023. Sorry, I think I said 2024, but I think at the earliest he'd be ready for at 2023. But again, that would take big improvements next season. Uh, Von Grissom, a little bit lower level than him. He just turned, or he'll turn 21 in January. You know, he's shown promise with the bat. Uh, some people think he'll he'll eventually move to a corner spot, uh, most likely third base because he has a very good arm but he has looked very good with the bat at the lower levels 2022 will be a big jump for him see how he handles the adjustment to double a then you got guys that they just drafted like cal conley and luke waddell that have uh experience at the shortstop position at the college level but they are likely second baseman utility types in my mind i don't see them as everyday big league players either i like Ambarias Taveras. you know he could potentially be the future at shortstop but he is years away so again even if you did a dansby swanson extension you could have Taveras or 
somebody else that you sign or draft over the next couple of years ready, you know, for the time Dansby's uh, contract runs out. So, you know, that's another driving factor for why I would extend Dansby Swanson if I'm the Braves. I just don't trust anything that they have in the system behind him. And I don't see them going out and signing a big free agent at shortstop and, you know, finding somebody like that in a trade is very difficult and you'd have to pay a high price for, you know, somebody who you see as a starting shortstop. You know, it was a situation where the Brewers, they were able to trade for Willie Adamas, but that's because the Rays had Wander Franco coming up, who was the top prospect in all of baseball. So it was a very unique situation there. You don't find that very often. Um, so it's really you know, difficult to find somebody to trade for at a premium position like shortstop that you think is going to be you know, your shortstop for the future. So that's why I would lean towards extending Dansby, keeping him around a while. I just don't trust anything in the system they have behind him. So let me know if you disagree. And certainly, as always, hit me up on Twitter and let me know your thoughts on the future of the shortstop position, how you would handle it if you were the Braves, and be realistic. They're not signing Carlos Correa uh, to a contract. But let me know your thoughts on the shortstop position going forward. But that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Again, hit me up. Let me know your thoughts on the Hall of Fame ballot and your thoughts on the shortstop position for the Braves going forward. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias, DC Lundberg, Ryan Finkelstein, Taylor Blake Ward, host of Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mariners, Locked On Mets, Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 